What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. This is the Sports Ethos Grizzlies podcast. I'm your host, David Williams. And normally, I am joined by my co-host, Isaac Simpson and Miss Candace Higgins. Unfortunately, they are unable to join me tonight. So I'm rolling solo. This is the first time in a while that you have had to hear from me solo. But I like it. I don't have to talk over other people. I don't have to fight for airtime. I get to tell you what I think about the Memphis Grizzlies, and you just get to sit back and listen. Yes. So let's just go ahead and jump right into it. The Memphis Grizzlies have lost seven of their last 10 games, including some very rough losses. They lost to the Suns going back uh, January 22nd. That final score was 112 to 110, but... You and I both, though, the Grizzlies had no business being in that game. The Suns ran that game for the majority of it. The Grizzlies came out flat, did not want to play. And the Suns just, like, tried everything they could to donk it away at the end of the game. Grizzlies lose that game by two. The next night, they go into Sacramento, and they get dominated by 33 points. The Kings are the third-best team in the Western Conference right now beat the Grizzlies 133-100. to Then you go to the January 25th game at Golden State, 122-120. to That is a game the Grizzlies, in my opinion, should have won as well. They were not able to close it. There seems to be some sort of repetitiveness going on here and this team not being able to close basketball games. I'm going to dive into that a little bit later. But then you go on the road, at Minnesota, you lose by 11 points to a undermanned Timberwolves team. You win against the Pacers at home. You lose by 10 to the Blazers in a game in which the Grizzlies were in until the fourth quarter, and they just fell apart. The Blazers took over, ended up winning that game by 10. And then last night, they lost 128-113 to to the Cleveland Cavaliers. I've got to be honest, I did not watch that game at all. I didn't catch a second of it. I plan on going back and watching the replay just to kind of see some of the stuff that I've read about. But at the end of the day, this team is struggling. Yeah, they, they had the 11-game win streak. They're still in second place in the Western Conference. There's still a lot of great things that you can point to about this team. But I don't know that there is even the most optimistic Grizzlies fan I don't think believes that this team can win a championship this year without making the move what is the move who who do you go and get what is that price how much are you willing to pay who is it that you are wanting to go get for that price is this going to be the guy to push you over the top that's a lot of things that Zach Kleiman in this front office has the answer Whenever they're looking at this, for me, there's been a lot of talk about OG Ananobi. And I've got to be honest, the asking price that I have seen, I'm out on it. I like OG Ananobi. I like what he can do. Some people think that he is a significant upgrade over Dylan Brooks. And I don't know that I fully agree with that. I think that he is a more efficient version of Dylan Brooks. But I think that he also lacks, not even think, I know that he he lacks the ability to create for himself as well as Dylan Brooks does. So there's things that OG does better than Dylan Brooks. He scores 
at a more efficient clip. But can OG Ananobi in this Memphis Grizzlies lineup come in and score at the same efficiency level when he's expected to create his own shot? Is he going to do it all the time? No. You have John Morant. You've got Desmond Bain that can create. When Steven Adams is healthy, he can pass from the post. You have guys that can create for him. But the Grizzlies need somebody else that can create their own shot. The half-court offense was a big focus in the offseason, and they whiffed. You can love Zach Kleiman and love the moves that he's made and, and everything that he has done. And I will not be mad at you about it because you have a lot of reasons to really like everything that he has done. But what I won't sit here and do is be quieted or be belittled because I disagree with some of the stuff that he done. We sat right here on this podcast before the season started upset about some of the moves that he made because a number of, I, I think that it was universal. Maybe there, there may have been some disagreement on certain points, but I think that every one of us on this show, Candace, myself and, and Isaac, and they'll be back later to defend themselves. So if I'm speaking for them and I'm wrong, I apologize. But I think universally we agreed that he did not handle the draft well. Did he go and get the guys that he wanted? I think the answer to that question is yes. Kleiman goes out and he gets his guys. I like that about him. But what this Grizzlies team has done over the last few years is overachieved. So us as a fan base, we're sitting back and we're like, okay, they are doing this well. They were a healthy Ja Morant away from making a run to the finals last season. What are they going to do to get to that next level? And I think based off of what climbing in this front office done, you can say that they were just kind of, kind of wrestling their laurels. Like, all right, cool. We're developing players. We're knocking it out of the park in the draft. Our, our coaching staff is phenomenal at getting these guys to overachieve. So we're going to stick with what we got, and we're not going to make any crazy moves. We're not going to bring back veterans. We're actually going to lose some veterans, and we're going to depend on young guys to do it. And it's backfired. They're 12 games over 500. They got a 62% winning percentage. Lots of good stuff. And I'm still sitting here saying that it backfired. There's a lot of season left. 52 games. You got 30 games left to figure out how to put this together, how to run a half-court offense and do it efficiently enough that you can win a seven-game series against a team that you're not superior to, that's time to figure it out. But I don't think that this team is going to do it. I think that they need to make a move. I don't expect that they will, though. Just honestly, I don't. There's a number of guys out there. You can talk about OG Ananobi, Malik Beasley, Gary Trent Jr., and the list goes on. There are a lot of guys that are on the market during this trade deadline. The Grizzlies have pieces that they could move during this trade deadline to go and get those pieces. I just don't see them doing it. Zach Kleiman in this front office have been about the future with every single move that they made. They want to win not one, not two, not three Yada, yada, yada. They want to win multiple championships. Everybody wants to. They've got to figure something out here. I saw a great post the other day, and I had a little bit of conversation with a guy 
we were talking about Taylor Jenkins, and he said Taylor Jenkins is quite possibly the Scott Brooks for the Memphis Grizzlies. And if you don't know what that reference is, Scott Brooks was a coach for the Oklahoma City Thunder as they were developing James Harden, Serge Ibaka, Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, Nick Collison, Stephen Adams, like goes on and the list goes on. Like when, when OKC was in its prime, when it was coming up to its prime, Scott Brooks was the coach that had the reins. And because he was able to develop a lot of that talent and take that team to a, a pretty high level, he got a little more leash than what he should have. He didn't have what it takes to get that team over the top and win a championship. Eventually, contracts happened. The, the Oklahoma City Thunder decided to take Serge Ibaka over James Harden, essentially. It's a little more complicated than that. But they made a decision to pay Serge Ibaka, so James, James Harden wanted out. So they made that trade with Houston. Is Taylor Jenkins good enough to get this team to the finals and win? I don't know. I, I don't have that answer for you. But what I will tell you is Taylor Jenkins has made a number of mistakes this year. Taylor Jenkins is a very methodical coach. At times, he has shown the ability to make changes, make adjustments, ride the hot hand, do the things that you need to do in order to win games. But there's been plenty of times when he hasn't. There's been plenty of times when Taylor Jenkins should have gotten away from, oh, well, this guy comes out at this time and goes in at this time. His rotations are whack. Some of the I, I he leaves bad lineups on the floor a lot, allowing the other teams to get momentum and end up costing the Grizzlies games. I can run through a number of different things that cost this team games. I, I'm not gonna do that tonight. But there's there's a hole here. The, this team is fantastic as Grizzlies fans. We have a ton of reasons to be excited. But you you cannot, you, you can't look at this team. I mean, I guess you can. You're, you're going to be wrong if you do. But when you watch this team lose these games, when they lose the close games, and, and the games, we, let, let's go back to the schedule. We'll run through the teams that are playoff teams right now and the teams that they lost to. Cleveland Cavaliers, one of the best Eastern Conference teams, playoff team, they lost to them. Dame Lillard and the Trailblazers, playoff team, they lost to them. Indiana Pacers, not a playoff team. The Grizzlies beat them as they should. The Timberwolves are a playoff team. They lost to them. The Golden State Warriors, they couldn't close the game, lost to them, playoff team. Kings, number three in the West right now, got blown out by them. The Phoenix Suns, lost to them. The Los Angeles Lakers looked absolutely awesome awful in that game they were terrible I'm talking like Charles Barkley terrible like unbelievably bad in that game they were still in it but they ended up losing the game the Lakers I don't even know that you would consider them a playoff team but they have LeBron James they have guys that know how to close games and that's what happened the Grizzlies could not close it so they lost that game and you can go back. They beat the Cavaliers at home. 
They beat the Suns at home. They beat the Pacers on the road. They barely beat the Spurs at home. You're getting back into the win streak now. But my point is, during this losing streak here, they're losing to playoff caliber teams. And they're losing in the same method. And these teams are attempting to slow them down and make them play a half-court game. That was the focus in the offseason, and the half-court game is not there. I love John Morant. I've talked about this before. You have to run an offense at the end of the game. Do you want the ball in your best player's hands? Yes, 100% of the time you want the ball in your best player's hands. Does your best player always have to take that last shot? Not just no, hell no. He, he, he does not. John Morant is at his best when he's creating for others. He is a deadly scorer. Don't mix it. Don't twist it. Don't take anything that I said as of anything other than what it is. He is a phenomenal scorer. He can get to the basket at will. But when he is playing the facilitating role, it opens up so much more because when he's looking for his teammates, nine times out of ten, he has two or three guys collapsing on him. So he has teammates that are wide open. The problem is the teammates around him have not been knocking down shots. So at the end of the game, it's, hey, 12, go get me a bucket. Again, that's going to work for you. It's going to work for you sometimes. But when the other teams know and they know, go back and watch some of these games where they had last-second shots and watch what the defense does. They're not guarding anybody else. Not really. They are collapsing on John Morant. One guy is jumping with him, and he knows he's not going to hang with him. And then he's getting help, and those help defenders are contesting the shot, and Jaws having to try to make tough shots. He's missed some of those, and that's okay. You're going to do that. But you have to run an offense. You can't just say, hey, you're my best player. Go out there and use your basketball IQ and do what you think is best. It's not going to work. Not at this level. Teams are going to watch tape. They're going to know what you're doing, and they're going to adjust to it. And I think that's exactly what is happening with John Morant and the Memphis Grizzlies right now. Now, is the sky falling? No, the sky is not falling The truth of the matter is the Grizzlies are a playoff team and they could be dangerous. We got 30 games to see what this team does. Danny Green just came back. He's limited on his minutes. You have to expect that. I would think that probably through all of February, he's going to be on a pretty strict minutes restriction. And then you may start seeing that kind of ease up into February. You you see it ease up more to where maybe he's getting into the 20, 25 minute range. But, You cannot expect Danny Green at his age coming off the type of injury that he had to play 25 minutes. Not me. I I, I don't. Maybe some of you all do. And if you want to talk about it, holler at the show on Twitter, at Ethos Grizzlies. I'm at NBADWill21. You see us on there all the time. Isaac and Candace are a lot more active on Twitter than me lately. I've been busy with a lot of other stuff. So I hadn't been on there nearly as much. But I do enjoy conversation. So if you want to talk about this stuff, get at me. If you disagree with me, that's cool. I I like conversation. That's fine. I could be right. You could be right. But we can talk about it.
as long as you're civil. If you if, if I get on there and, and you want to talk about it and you start acting ignorant, I'm done with you. I'm not going down that path. I'm not going to run this show very long tonight. I like solo shows because I can get on my soapbox and talk about whatever I want to talk about. But the fact of the matter is this. This is a good team. But there are things missing on this team. There are a lot of Grizzlies fans. There are a lot of people in general that have a a high expectation that this team is going to make a massive splash in the trade deadline. And my thoughts are this. Zaire Williams was their guy. Zach Kleiman said when he drafted him that he's going to be a multi-year project. Zach Kleiman said they, they, they scouted this kid all the way in high school. They've been following him for years. If you think for one second that Zach Kleiman in this front office is going to roll over on the guy that they've scouted since high school after two years, you have lost your ever-loving mind. It's not going to happen. It's 110% not going to happen. If they make a move at this trade deadline, I could see them packaging some contracts, maybe depending on who the player is that you're getting back, maybe Tyus Jones, his contract is tradable. Danny Green's contract is tradable, but I think that they value his championship experience more than they're, more than anything that they're going to get in return. Dylan Brooks is on a contract year. His contract is tradable. They have a number of guys that they can move unless they are getting a guy that they control his contract for two or three, four years. I don't think that there is any way that you see Zaire Williams moved. And, and I'm not even convinced that even if you get a guy that has three or four years left on a contract, that Zach Kleiman is going to okay that deal, that he is going to make that deal. So what do the Grizzlies need to do? I'm not going to bore you guys to death with free throws. If you've listened to the show any at all, you know my feelings on free throws. If you haven't, I'm going to go through it briefly. So if you want to, if you've listened to the show a ton and you want to skip my free throw rant here, go ahead and fast forward about 30 seconds and it'll get you past it. It'll be short. Free throws, win or lose games. The Grizzlies have lost five games this year after missing 10 or more free throws, and they lost those those games by single-digit points. Yes, Steven Adams is bad. This team is still in the bottom three in the league if you remove Steven Adams from their free throw percentage. It's not just Steven Adams. That rests on the shoulders of the superstar, Ja Morant. He's shooting 72% on high volume from the free throw line. That's going to drive your free throw percentage down. He has to be better. End of rant. They have to figure out how to run a half-court offense. Running up and down the floor, causing turnovers, those win you regular season games. But I, I don't care if they run the table from here. If they, they, They're 52 games into the season right now. They have 32 wins. They have 30 games left. They would end the game. They would end the season 62. Wait, I don't even know. What's it with? I'm getting ahead of myself here. If they ran the table from where they sit right now, they're 32 and 20. They would end the season 62 and 20, setting a franchise record in wins. If they don't make changes to the half court offense, even if they figure out a way to run the table, I'm still not convinced that they're going to win the championship. 
in a seven-game series, the type of basketball that they're playing to win games is not going to win. We saw that last season. We saw them struggle with Minnesota, a team that they were far superior than, but they struggled because Minnesota had the defense to slow them down. We saw them struggle against Golden State because they've been there before and they had the type of defense to slow them down. Golden State's defense has dropped off this year, but make no mistake about it, they're still a good team. They don't care where they finish in the regular season as long as they're in the playoffs. And if they make the playoffs, they're more than capable of winning another championship. They've done it before. They can do it again. The Grizzlies have to figure it out in the half court. And whether they make a trade or not, I I just wonder how many of you all are going to be disappointed if the Grizzlies don't make a trade. I'd, I'd love to... I'm actually I'm gonna put a I'm gonna put a poll up on Twitter as soon as I finish this recording I'm gonna get it put out here I'm gonna put a poll up because I'm interested to see how many Grizzlies fans will be disappointed if the Grizzlies don't make a move at the trade deadline I for one would not be shocked I can't say I would be happy if they don't make a move but it wouldn't shock me if they don't make any moves at all I appreciate you guys listening again this is a solo show shout out to my co-host they've got a lot going on right now just couldn't be here with me I want to take a second Um, Candace lost her father so I just Candace I want you to know we're thinking about you we're praying for you and you and and your family during this tough time I'm lost my father a few years ago now and, and I know that that is something that is very very tough to deal with so take your time. Your your seat is here whenever you're ready to come back. Deal with that, and uh, we'll be here waiting. We're excited to have you back whenever you're ready, but take as much time as you need. You guys, you can get the show on Twitter at Ethos Grizzlies. I'm at NBA Deal Wheel 2-1. Let me say that again because I stumbled a little bit. I apologize. NBA Deal 2-1. Isaac is at Isaac underscore underscore NBA. And Candace is at Candace H901. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, go Grizz. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.